Morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin and a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.20 a.m. Central Daylight Time on the 24th of March, 2020. This is episode 220 of Bitcoin and yeah, I didn't get it uh, out for you yesterday. Why? Well, <clears throat> we were setting up a home office. Uh, we had to get a desk and some other materials so my wife could move into the study because uh, there, as a professor up at a university, that entire university has gone online. It's going to be interesting to see where all this falls out. I mean, honestly, it really is going to be interesting to see this. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people working from home. There's going to be a lot of people laid off. I get that too. And that sucks. Nobody wants to see that. But uh, for the people that aren't laid off, <clears throat> like, i.e. my, my wife, because <laughs> they, they still need to teach all these people at the university, uh, it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what happens on the other side of all this? I have a sneaky suspicion that one of the things that's going to happen is that a lot of offices uh, that are not doing production work, like you know, making widgets, you know, physical things that you need a production line for, are going to find that it is a hell of a lot cheaper to keep people at home rather than pay for air conditioning, the coffee machine, lights, heating, you know. All alarm system, all that kind of shit. Uh, it's not going to just go away, but I will bet you that there will be quite a few people who, who discover that their businesses actually ran more smoothly with a hell of a lot less overhead. Everybody? No, I don't even think it's going to be like uh, the majority. I think it's going to be like a percentage, probably below, you know, 10% or something like that. Um, <clears throat> What's odd is that I, I also believe that people who thought their uh, employees were all just a bunch of scumbags who were out to rip them off are going to find out that their people actually do like working for them <laughs> and do like doing their job and did a better job at home. And so, we'll, like I said, we'll have to see what this does, but I suspect... Uh, I very much do suspect that this is going to change the landscape of the American workforce. Uh, again, unless you're producing physical widgets. In that case, robots is probably going to change that particular landscape. But let's start today out with a tweet storm from Optimus Fields, otherwise known as at my underscore living underscore truth. <clears throat> this dropped. When did this drop? Oh, my God. I don't know where the hell Optimus Fields live because this thing dropped at 1.30 a.m. this morning <laughs> from his iPhone, no less. My God. <clears throat> Being a Bitcoiner is hard until it isn't. 
Here's a few truths you must discover if you want to be a strong-handed hodler of last resort. Number one, everyone's a scammer. God, that's true. So you just found out about Bitcoin. Much wow, new paradigms, fat gains. Do yourself a favor, please. Slow your roll and sit your ass down to read everyone's a scammer. I'll wait. And he links to the NakamotoInstitute.org paper, Everyone's a Scammer. And yeah, that's a good one. Number two, HODL, don't trade. Wholeheartedly agree there, bro. The art of the HODL is easy once you know why you HODL. In a world where insane kleptocrats make money printer go brrrr, ad infinitum, a hard-capped asset that is verifiably scarce is invaluable, sell bitcoins at your peril, You'll never get them back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I agree. I cannot, I cannot, honestly, I can't fathom a situation where I would load a whole bunch of my Bitcoin into a exchange and then sell them and then sit there and pray to God that the power in my house doesn't go out so that I can buy them back. I am assuming that these guys have breakers going on where even if they do lose it, trading rules come in that they've set come into play and then they are bought back at a certain strike price. But we've already seen at least one situation, and I I want to say it was BitMEX, but it might have been Bitfinex, where certain rules did not trigger and people did lose uh, some of their coins. I don't remember if it was Bitcoin or just a general shit coin, but, you know. The, the point being is that if you're going to trust this stuff, chances are good at one point or another, you're going to get hosed. And if you get hosed, pal, that's it. Because if that price strike uh, way above uh, what, what you thought, then all you're going to do is like, even if you buy all your, you know, buy your Bitcoin back in a frenzy, if it, you're buying it back at a much higher price than what you sold it for, then all, I mean, technically... You still got the fiat, I guess, money printer go burr, but you've got less Bitcoin. Um, and that's just going to happen. It's not, it's not really a question of if, it's, it's a question of, of when, because things, you know, uh, things break, right? All right, so th number three, can't hodl shitcoin. I know, I know, your shitcoin's different. Going to change the world faster, mower better, mower decentralized. Is it going to be 589, blah, blah, blah. Hate to break it to you, chief, it ain't. Say it with me now. There's Bitcoin and there's shitcoin. <laughs> Number four, dollar cost averaging. I'll assume you're an average person that doesn't have money just laying around. If you go balls deep, what you going to do? Hold dollars, lol, by a certain amount every day, week, or month religiously. Remember, your Bitcoin ABCs. Always buy consistently. Number five, exchanges are not wallets. You should never leave your Bitcoins on an exchange for long-term storage. To be honest, you should self-custody your Bitcoins as soon as possible. The better you hold those private keys, or the sooner you hold those private keys, the better you do know what a private key is, right? Google, if not, don't get goxed. Number six, run a full node. You, how do you know the Bitcoin? You just bought a real Bitcoin and not fake coin. Your node verified that the coins you received are playing by the rules and able to trace every transaction back to the Genesis block. No node, your trust in your own Bitcoin verify. Number seven, ignore the price. 
We're all here to see number go up, but don't fixate on the price. Zoom out in time. Price dips will be seen as an opportunity as prices rise. Bittersweet. The only number you should focus on is how many sats are under your control. HODL for dear life. Keep learning. This is number eight. Whether it's studying Austrian economics or learning to code or a deep dive under the Bitcoin hood, you'll never stop learning. Bitcoin is a multidisciplined and for is multidisciplined and forever changing. There's always something to learn. Never stop learning. Bitcoin is a way of life. And man, there is a whole bunch of honesty in that one. There's no way that you could come to the end of this. All right. So if you want something that, that will be guaranteed to throw you something, a, a new bone every single day, man, if it, it's this space. So number nine is enjoy yourself. What's the point of fuck you money if you don't say fuck you from time to time? Be brave, be hold, be a Bitcoiner. Speak your mind, say crazy things. If people don't like it, fuck them. I ain't for everyone, but I don't have to care. Can't cancel me, bitch. <laughs> That's right. Number 10 and the last one kind of is uh, hope you enjoy this thread. The accumulated wisdom in this thread has cost us more than 100 million sats easily. Hope you don't take it lightly. We paid our dues. You can, <coughs> you can be clever and learn from our experiences or you can put your hand on the stove. Your choice. Uh, and the very last one here is inspired by this awesome thread of Bitcoiners. Hear it from yourself, from your favorite Bitcoiners themselves. And then he gives a, you know, the tweet where he uh, put out the question, what's one thing you wish you knew before you fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole? And so that sort of is a culmination of the answers that, that my living truth uh, got from that particular thread. And this is good. I mean, this is like a really nice condensed you know, pocketbook version of how to survive this entire thing. Honestly, I'd read the whole thing again, but we got to move on, right? So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. And I'm going to skate right all right on in into a Helen Parts uh, piece from Cointelegraph. This was done like, I don't know, half an hour ago uh, for, yeah, like I said, Cointelegraph, a YouTube scan impersonates Ripple CEO Garlinghouse for fake XRP airdrop. Oh my, my. Despite YouTube's many aggressive actions against cryptocurrency-related content, the world's most popular video hosting website is apparently having trouble discovering a major scam account involving crypto. On March the 23rd, the crypto community spotted a bogus YouTube account impersonating Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of major blockchain company Hobowine, or Ripple, in order to promote a fake airdrop scam. The apparent scam account has around 277,000 subscribers and contains only one video, which promotes a fake giveaway in the third biggest cryptocurrency, Hobowine, or XRP. Unloaded on YouTube on March the 19th, or sorry, uploaded on YouTube on March the 19th, the video description promotes a non-existent airdrop of 50 million XRP tokens and has amassed over 85,000 views as of press time. While the video itself is not fake and is a real interview that Garlinghouse gave in February 2020, the scam lies in the video description. The Ripple executive hasn't yet reacted to the scam alert on Twitter so far, despite reports mentioning him directly. Specifically, the video description presents users with a bogus airdrop contest taking place from March 20th till March 25th. According to the video description, the YouTube scammer asks users to send between 
2,000 XRP to 500,000 XRP in order to participate in exchange for immediate airdrop of 20,000 to 5 million XRP. For example, the fraudster promises to send 2.5 million XRP back in exchange for sending 250,000 XRP to his or her crypto address. As of press time, the address has 5,135 XRP or about uh, 800 bucks US. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stop it right there because there's no reason to go go forward. This is the exact same scam that we saw on Twitter and always see on Twitter, but we saw them a lot more like last year, where and and especially in my God in 2018 it was like all over the place. The scam is you send some idiot some of your coin and you lose it. That's the scam. <laughs> What they'll tell you is that they're going to send you send you money back. That's like me just like telling you I'm going to send you like if you send me a dollar I'll send you five. Why would you believe that? Under what circumstances do you exist that you would ever believe that? So guys, again, be really careful out there. Um, it's it's going to be this way for a long time, if not forever. What is also quite possibly going to be here for a long time, if not forever, is that the Federal Reserve just pledged asset purchases with no limit to support markets. This is Jeff Cox writing for CNBC. However, he was writing this uh, yesterday. Let's see what he has to say. The Federal Reserve said Monday it will launch a barrage of programs aimed at helping markets function more efficiently amid the coronavirus crisis. Among the initiatives is a commitment to continue its asset purchasing program in the amounts needed to support smooth market functioning and effective transmission of monetary policy to broader financial conditions and the economy. That represents a potentially new chapter in the Fed's money printing, money printer go brrrr, as it commits to keep expanding its balance sheet as necessary, rather than a commitment to the set amount. The Fed also will be moving for the first time into God, geez, corporate bonds, purchasing the investment-grade securities in primary and secondary markets and through exchange-traded funds. The move comes in a space that has seen considerable turmoil since the crisis has intensified and the market liquidity has been sapped. Markets initially reacted positively to the move but headed back lower in early trading with the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 260 points. Other initiatives include an unspecified lending program for Main Street businesses and the term asset-backed loan facility implemented during the financial crisis. There will be a program worth $300 billion supporting the flow of credit to employers, consumers, and businesses, and two facilities set up to provide credit to large employers. There are no details yet on the mainstream program with a news release saying it will help support lending to eligible small and medium-sized businesses, complementing efforts by the Small Business Association. The Fed also said it will purchase agency commercial mortgage-backed securities. Uh, Nobody learned a freaking thing. As part of an expansion in its asset purchases, known in the markets as quantitative easing, the move represents an expansion into the commercial sector of real estate for the central bank's acquisitions. Quote, we are now in QE infinity again. End quote. Peter Bookvar. Is that right? Bookvar. I'm going with Bookvar. Chief investment officer at Bleakley Advisory Group said in a note, Additional measures include the issuance of asset-backed securities by student loans, auto loans, credit card loans, 
loans guaranteed by the Small Business Administration and certain other asset. The move comes on top of programs the central bank announced last week aimed at easing flow of credit markets and the short-term funding banks need to operate. The Fed said it will expand its money market facility announced last week to include a wider range of securities that it will accept. Quote, the coronavirus pandemic is causing tremendous hardship across the United States and around the world. Our nation's first priority is to care for those afflicted and to limit the further spread of the virus. While great uncertainty remains... It has become clear that our economy will face severe disruptions. Aggressive efforts must be taken across the public and private sectors to limit the losses to jobs and incomes and to promote a swift recovery once the disruptions abate, the Fed said in a statement. Monday's announcement represents the most aggressive market intervention intervention the Fed has made to date. Previously, it had announced it would buy $500 billion worth of treasuries and $200 billion in mortgage-backed securities. The new move represents an open-ended commitment to the QE program. That's why it's QE infinity. Quote, Fed policy is shifting into a higher gear to try to help support the economy, which looks like it is in free fall at the moment, wrote Chris Rupke, chief financial economist at M-U-F-G, Union Bank, that just, that sounds, never mind, I won't get into it, M-U-F-G, that's got to be meme-worthy right there. The central bank is shifting from not being able, not being just the lender of last resort, but now it is the buyer of last resort. Be the hodler of last resort, guys, okay? Don't ask how much they will buy, this truly is QE infinity, end quote. The Fed announced it is also expanding its commercial paper funding facility. (laughs) The the program will now include high-quality tax-exempt commercial paper, and the pricing will be reduced. The central bank also said it will lower interest rates on its repo operations to zero from 0.1%. The operations are conducted daily to provide banks short-term funding. Yeah, but do they ever pay it back? The programs are backed by the Treasury Department to ensure the Fed does not lose money. Quote, we are committed to providing a relief for American workers and businesses, particularly small and medium-sized businesses and critical industries that are most impacted by the coronavirus. We will take all necessary steps to support them and protect the United States economy. Treasury, Treasury, come on, man, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said in a statement. So there you go. It is QE infinity. God only knows when the money printer will not go burr, but right now money printer go burr. So get used to it. Hive fork to steam it, but the war for the social network continues. So more, more steam stuff. And you ask, gee, Dave, you, you don't like shit coinery. Why do you read this stuff as an example of why it is we don't like shit coinery? Okay. That's why. Because it, we need constant reminders as to why we, why we Bitcoin and don't do anything else. But that said, uh, after a month-long power struggle, the community of a decentralized social network site on Friday relaunched the site on its own blockchain. This was uh, written by Liam Frost on March the 22nd for Decrypt.co. Let's get into this old bitch. Tired of slogging it out with the new owner of decentralized social media network Steemit, the community on Friday relaunched the site on its own blockchain network, Hive. But there's one key difference, one that could end the month-long war. Steemit's new owner, as well as his supporters, can't move Steam tokens over to Hive. This is why we Bitcoin. Steemit, 
Essentially, a decentralized Reddit was acquired by blockchain network Tron in February, but many Steemit users didn't trust their new owner, the flamboyant CEO of the Tron Foundation, Justin Sun. When Sun bought Steemit, he was entitled to around $12 million worth of pre-mined tokens on the network and estimated 20% of the total supply of Steam. On Steam, the blockchain network that houses Steemit, token holders vote on proposals about how to upgrade the network. The richest users have the most influence. This is why we don't do proof of stake. This is why you want proof of work. The community was worried Sun would use those tokens to control the network, thereby undermining the platform's democracy. So a few weeks ago, they voted in favor of a soft fork that prevented Sun from using the tokens. Sun was not happy. He called those who voted against him malicious hackers who had violated the sanctity of private property. Sun enlisted the help of crypto exchanges Binance, Huobi, and Poloniex to take back control of the network. The exchanges are some of the richest and most powerful members on the network since they can use their customers' funds to vote on the network. With their help, Sun managed to unlock his money. Unsurprisingly, the Steemit community didn't like Sun's decision to take over the network. They convinced Binance and Huobi to stop supporting Sun's takeover. Since then, both Steemit's community and Sun have been using their money to wrestle control over the network. But instead of fighting an arms race with Sun, who's incredibly rich, some of the Steemit members started work on a new platform, Hive. Hive is essentially the same platform, and Steam tokens can be swapped for Hive tokens. God, the confusion. <laughs> well, not everyone can swap tokens. According to Hive's blog, quote, the only accounts who will not be able to swap their tokens are those containing the Steemit Inc. pre-mined stake and those who actively contributed to and publicly declared support for the centralization of the Steam blockchain. Retaliation in the form of shit coinery. These members are listed on the Hive airdrop exclusion list. People, pay pay attention to what, what's being said here, okay? These members are listed on the Hive airdrop exclusion list. It's a blacklist, guys, which contains the nicknames for alleged Tron puppets and ninja miners. Steemit has also been accused of censoring Hive-related content. Crypto blogger Girl Gone Crypto posted a video where she said that her neutral explainer video about the Hive's launch was deleted from the platform. Quote, centralization issues and censorship concerns are exactly why the Steam community is forking the chain and moving to Hive. And yet, and that's, I'm sorry, that's the end of the article. But, and yet, we have a situation where out of the gate, right out of the gate, Retaliation immediately occurred. Censorable. It's being censored. This is censorship. <sighs> Jesus. Honestly, just, just buy Bitcoin. Monex grants small amount of Bitcoin as year-end shareholder benefit. Now that's a dividend I can get behind, yo. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph on March the 23rd. Japanese financial services firm Monex announced that it will give Bitcoin to its shareholders as a year-end benefit for 2019. According to an announcement on March the 23rd, Monex plans to give its shareholders 500 yen, about, about five bucks, to those who hold the firm's shares as of March the 31st as a year-end benefit for 2019 in addition to existing shareholder benefits. 
The company will give the Bitcoin to those shareholders who hold an account on cryptocurrency wallet CoinCheck. The announcement suggests that this may be a one-time event. Quote, please note that it has yet to be determined whether granting the cryptocurrency BTC as a part of shareholder benefits will continue for the fiscal year 2020 and after. I would. I, I definitely would continue that. Monex Group is a publicly traded financial services firm founded in 1999, which, according to its website, wishes to create the future of finance. Company data platform uh, Owler shows that the firm has an annual revenue of $721 million and 833 employees. The initiative is seemingly a way to get the firm's stakeholders more involved with cryptocurrencies. Interestingly, the coronavirus quarantine also seems to be increasing interest in Bitcoin. According to Binance US CEO Catherine Coley, crypto trading volume in Asia increased as people remained indoors to avoid the virus. Oh God, so boredom trading? Really? God, that's sad. Coley said that the cryptocurrency markets are based on technology that we can trade 24-7 regardless of the environment, which makes them resistant to supply chain problems that we are seeing from national traded stock. Another positive sign is that both Chinese search engine Baidu and its Western counterpart Google report that the public is showing an increased interest in purchasing Bitcoin. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Money printer go brr. How to get a remote job that pays in Bitcoin. Speaking of remote work, let's see what Will Heisman has to say in this Decrypt.co thing. As the coronavirus spreads around the world, we look at several remote work options for cryptocurrency enthusiasts. Oh, nice. This was also written yesterday, March the 23rd. As the outbreak of COVID-19 continues to massacre the job market, hordes of freshly unemployed have been forced online to find alternatives. Fortunately, there are a few options out there, and some even pay in Bitcoin. According to recent studies, the number of people who work remotely has grown 400% since 2010. And in the United States, 3.4% of the total workforce uh, work from home at least 50% of the time. Now, with the coronavirus putting increased emphasis on working remotely, Decrypt has compiled a list of the best remote crypto-centric freelancer platforms available, where, of course, you can get paid into Bitcoin. Jobs for Bitcoins is a subreddit. Okay, so this is Jobs for Bitcoins. It's a, it's a subreddit, so it's r forward slash jobs number four Bitcoins is a subreddit dedicated to finding jobs that pay in Bitcoin, boasting 26,700 members. This popular subreddit is reasonably active. The jobs posted here aren't just crypto-based. They include a variety of skills from users seeking lawyers to virtual assistants. The majority of the jobs for Bitcoin posts, however, come from employees soliciting work for Bitcoin, with one post even offering to help with math homework. And that's, honestly, tutoring is not a, is not a bad gig, especially if, you know, if you're really good at teaching, not just, not just knowing the subject. But if you're really good at teaching, dude, tutoring, especially in today's environment, is going to be probably a hot gig, bro. As an unofficial job market, jobs for Bitcoin moderators uh, urge users to employ escrow to insure against scams. Crypto Grind is essentially an official version of jobs for Bitcoins, operating in the same way as freelancer platforms Upwork and Glassdoor. Payment is encouraged via Bitcoin and freelancers can pick and choose between jobs posted by other users. Despite job listings indicating compensation, CryptoGrind permits freelancers to bid on job offers and explain why they'd be a prime choice. 
say. That's a cover letter. Jesus. Like jobs for Bitcoins, work isn't limited to blockchain or crypto gigs with opportunities ranging from, adver- ranging from advertising to music and everything in between. Uh, ETH Lance. Uh, well, might as well. ETH Lance is a freelancer platform for those looking to earn some extra crypto coinage. Not only does the site pay exclusively in Ethereum, but it runs directly on the Ethereum blockchain. Ethlance makes use of smart contracts, blah, blah, to facilitate escrow, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I just, I don't have the heart to read anything about Ethereum or shitcoinery. I, I probably should, but no, you know what? No, I'm calling it. Crypto jobs, the aptly named crypto jobs is the cryptocurrency industry's answer to traditional work search sites such as Indeed and Read. Unlike the previous three, CryptoJobs primarily deals in blockchain-focused projects, varying from project managers to senior blockchain engineers. Employers can post full-time and part-time jobs. They can also tweak the job terms, detailing the required skill set and specifications to determine the right candidate. Hopeful employees can search based on categories including tech design, sales jobs, as well as skills such as coding and trading. For the vast majority of postings, compensation is in fiat. However, there are a few employers that opt to pay via cryptocurrency. Coinality, combining all of the above, Coinality is essentially a job aggregator collecting work offers from a variety of job listing sites, including Upwork and Indeed. As a consequence, much of the work is paid in fiat. However, for those seeking crypto remuneration, Coinality specifies payment terms, highlighting whether a job is paid in fiat or crypto. I hope they have a filter for that. Much like crypto jobs, Coinality is highly concentrated toward crypto and blockchain jobs with high demand for developers and content creators. But if you do get paid in Bitcoin, make sure you pay your taxes. If there are going to be taxes this year, I mean, nobody knows what the hell is going on with this. And honestly, why pay taxes when money printer go brrrr? All right, let's see what this one is. Uh, Do we even want to do this one? Yep, yep, I do. Yale researchers turn to Hyperledger to track carbon emissions. This is probably going to end up being very stupid. This was sometime today, written by Ian Allison for Coindesk.com. In our current state of lockdown, it may sound facile to say technologies like blockchain, Internet of Things, and artificial intelligence can protect us, but it's a combination of those tools that software architects think will help mitigate the largest known existential threat we face today, climate change. (coughs) Good God. A team from Yale University's Open Innovation Lab has been exploring... How distributed ledgers, Internet of Things, sensors, and other data science tools can be used to measure and track carbon emissions. <coughs> Good Lord. It's a gargantuan task, but Yale's Open Climate Project has been laying the foundation for a global carbon accounting mechanism that can be compatible with the Paris Agreement, the United Nations framework for holding the increase in the global average temperatures to below 2 degrees C above pre-industrial levels. Quote, I understand climate change as a big picture managing our global planetary carbon budget, said Martin Weinstein, the founder of Yale Open Labs. To me, that translated into an accounting problem. Jeez, have you taken an ecology class lately, dude? That it's always, it's either a carbon budget, a water budget, a nitrogen budget, a phosphorus budget. 
budgeting happens almost just take ecology it's actually worth it's worth your while it really is if you think you're going to end up turning into a tree hugging hippie freak i guarantee you no but you might get so damned interested in it that you'll read more than one book dude because it applies to freaking everything i'm sorry that was an aside one of open climate's recent collaborative forays has been with linux foundation's hyper ledger blockchain greenhouse where wayne stein now co-chairs a climate action and accountability working group following Open Climate's work with identity-focused Hyperledger projects, Indy and Aries, Weinstein said a climate change focus could be in the cards, similar to Hyperledger Sawtooth blockchain's focus on supply chain known as Grid. Quote, I do not think that eventually it would make sense to have a domain-specific framework similar to Hyperledger Grid for climate we will have to we will have a more consolidated development and announcement probably in the next couple of months wayne is it, is it waynestein yeah i'm going to go with waynestein w a i n s t e i n waynestein's climate accountability group has been working with the government of british columbia on a project to use hyperledger's digital identity domains to track and verify oil wells in the Canadian province, the carbon footprint of an oil well is measured and a permit in the form of verifiable credential is issued by BC's digital identity system, which incorporates distributed ledger technology within its architecture. Quote, we are very interested in British Columbia's work around verified credentials for oil well permits, said Weinstein. The way that they are designed, you have a verified credential for an oil permit and the same architecture for the credential for an IOT device that is reporting on how that oil well is being used and a verified credential of the company operating that. So you go all the way up until the sub-national level accounting using its own verified credential, end quote. <coughs> Man, the corona. Verifiable credentials are a way of establishing trust relations between entities like digital versions of physical credentials, such as passports or credit cards, they can be presented and verified on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. A strong digital identity uses cryptographic signatures derived from public key infrastructure, PKI, but is decentralized. Rather than centralized checking authorities, the way browsers work on the internet, a blockchain can be used as a kind of public key ring, so issuers of verifiable credentials can make their public keys globally discoverable and available via the DLT. It's much lighter way to use a blockchain than, for example, writing transactions to the chain or storing transaction data there. Quote, we don't frame our work as blockchain, nor do we face issues about blockchain adoption, says John Jordan, the province of British Columbia's executive director of emerging digital initiatives. Yes, there is a blockchain involved, but it is deep down in the technical layers and is not relevant to the end user, nor the services that will be able to issue, verify, and revoke credentials. Another open climate collab collaboration involves incorporating digitally verifiable credentials into Versys Labs Spatial Web Protocol, a virtual mapping of space, using IoT sensors and artificial intelligence. It is a way to express actions. Oh, I'm getting a call. I'm getting a phone call from the Dominican Republic. I assure you, people, I know nobody in the Dominican Republic. What do you want to guess? It's a scam. Sorry for the interruption there. Um, a virtual mapping of space using IoT sensors and artificial intelligence. 
It is a way to express actions in the real world, but manage them in the digital world, said Weinstein. Accurate accounting for carbon using new digital protocols also presents a huge opportunity to the tech-savvy big four accounting firms, said Weinstein. That's actually kind of interesting. Deloitte, KPMG, Ernst & Young, and PwC jointly released a paper at this year's environmentally focused World Economic Forum in Davos titled Toward Common Metrics and Consistent Reporting of Sustainable Value Creation, but none of the four were immediately available for comment on the subject of carbon accounting. Quote, I have been having talks with some of the big four explaining how carbon accounting is going to be a huge part of their business in the future, said Weinstein. I think they are starting to understand. We have been focusing on the tech side of the design and then hope to incorporate them at a later track in which they can start working at the consortium level, end quote. When it comes to consortium building, the lesson from previous years is to take things in stages as opposed to breathlessly adding big names first and foremost. That sounds familiar. That sounds a lot like Facebook's Libra, but whatever. Open Climate, for instance, is currently in the first stage, which involves gathering philanthropic capital and an association for non or of nonprofits, particularly universities and high-level institutions, to work together, getting a base layer of entities in place that don't necessarily have a vested interest is important, Weinstein said. Quote, around early next year, if everything goes well, we will create a model for funding in a consortium where you bring in corporate assets. But that is only after you have already have the governance mechanism, he said. That's interesting. Okay, I'm, that's confusing. The next immediate step is the open climate collabathon. Oh my God. Which takes place in April. Last year's collabathon was organized by the Yale Lab alone and brought together some 400 developers and climate researchers with two thirds located on site in various campus nodes. This year, the event is expected to be almost entirely remote due to the coronavirus-induced lockdown. Quote, we think it's very important to improve the technology for collaboration remotely, and now we don't have an option, said Weinstein. Okay, so what about this bullshit? This is actually... Okay, there are problems with putting anything on the blockchain. If the blockchain itself is not the thing which creates the thing you give a shit about, then you open a whole can of worms. Bitcoin is, is it's released as an emission through the proof of work that the whole chain does. The chain itself releases the very thing that the chain is designed to keep track of, okay? It's internal, it's sort of like, you know, intercyclical in, in a way. Uh, but bananas on the blockchain. Well, the blockchain that the bananas are on did not produce the bananas, which means that the weakest link automatically is getting the real world to trust in a trust minimized fashion, go into the digital world so that it can be tracked. And that weak link is weak enough to make the entire damn thing fail. With carbon, I, it's the same thing because the blockchain that carbon is to be tracked on is not producing the carbon itself. Well, in a way it is, especially if it's proof of work because we're burning energy to be able to do that, but not in, it, it's still ex, ex, externally cyclic from that standpoint. 
the carbon doesn't in, end up like living in the blockchain due to its own production, like, like Bitcoin does. So here we have to worry again, like bananas on the blockchain, we have to worry about the weakest link, the accounting measure that goes on to say, this oil well is, you know, has this much, much production and we're going to put that onto the blockchain. How do I trust that that's actually the production that was said is actually the production that got listed into the distributed ledger technology? Also, are you going to include, include uh, production reduction curves? And if, if you do, then that means that you are projecting what future production will be given depletion. Right, then you, you you see the problems here. Now, the only the the thing that I actually think is it's not that I like it, but I do find it interesting is IoT sensors. Now, sensors honestly could be a little bit different, but again, it's still the weakest link in getting the sensor to transmit its data to the blockchain. Um, it could be corrupted, it could be hijacked, it could be hacked, what whatever you want to call it. So. I'm not ever prob I'm probably never going to be convinced that any of this is a good idea, but I don't know, for some reason, this one's kind of interesting, probably because it tracks carbon, which I'm interested in. It's not that I think we're all going to die like dinosaurs because of climate change, because of, you know, carbon dioxide, but I find carbon, the actual element carbon with four covalent bonding sites to be extraordinarily important because without it, no life occurs. It's one of the most important compound or one of the most important elements in the periodic table, aside from oxygen and iron. But it would be interesting to see, you know, if, if it could work, if it could ever be trustworthy, it would be interesting to see because if you've got carbon producers, then you'd have a reason to outfit, uh, what would, what would we call it? carbon sinkers because if you have production of something you're going to need a sink for that something if you don't do that then you break the cycle and, and broken cycles are replete with problems I'm sorry it just that's just the way the shit works if the sun rose up halfway into the sky and just stopped we'd be screwed okay you need a sink for this stuff honestly we've destroyed our sinks with modern modern agriculture and any of you guys that are pointing at me and screaming and want to kill me i get it i do but we've really jacked up the world with with modern uh, agriculture and i ain't talking just about confined animal feeding operations i'm talking about the, the whole thing and it's way too long to get in here now but soil when it was pristine in a pristine state and we had, you know, a whole bunch of bison and shit roaming across it, uh, would take care of pretty much any, any, any volcanic, volcanic event that would release like tons and tons of carbon would have been scrubbed by the prairies of the world within, you know, a couple of years, scrubbed right out, dropped right back into the ground where it does a whole lot of good. One of these days we'll get into that, but that is going to do it for Morning Roundup Part 1. And vital statistics, we're going to start out with CNBC forward slash markets or CNBC.com forward slash markets. Everything is up. Apparently, very everybody happy about money printer go burr. 
S&P 500 is up 6%, guys. Actually, 6.7%. NASDAQ is up 6%. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 7.5%. The FTSE is up 5.5%. The Nikkei is up 7.13%. The uh, Hong Sang Index is up, ooh, let's see, 4.5%, something like that. The DAX is up uh, 7 almost 8%. And the VIX has fallen to 55.53. Uh, imagine that. All the bond yields have, have risen up by not a whole lot, but every, almost everything's in the green. And we have the U.S. 30-year Treasury bond yielding 1.39%. Everything else is pretty much sub-zero. Oh, my God, dude. Oh, that is interesting. The Japanese 10-year bond is no longer negative, guys. But the German 10-year bond is definitely negative. It is sitting at negative 0.346. Oil is down $0.09. Cents. Its last was $23.27 a barrel. Gold is up $69.2. That's a 4.5% rise. Its spot, it looks like it's chilling out at 1636 So Peter Schiff's pet rock does good. And again, I don't hate gold. Peter Schiff just annoys the living crap out of me because he's just such a dick. Um, <clears throat> Bitcoin, we got a price at $6,750. Looks like our high is going to be over at P2P, B2B at $6,798. And our low, where is our low? It uh, looks like it's going to be hit BTC at $6,625. Uh, 283,000 transactions made in the last 24 hours gives us about 12,000 transactions on average per hour. 1.39 million BTC have been sent in that last 24 hours, with the average being sent per hour of 57,900 BTC. The average transaction value is about 5 BTC. The median transaction value has dropped. It is 0.052 BTC, or about 350 bucks. Block time's high, 10 minutes and 57 seconds. And 0.39 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis, while 51 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. The hash rate has dropped, oh, 2.5% in the last 24 hours, and we are at 96.5 exahashes per second. But of course, that's bitinfocharts.com. We'll get to my note in a second. The last time nobody did anything on Bitcoin was sometime yesterday. Ethereum is 139, Bcash is 226, BSV is 179, Litecoin is 40, Ethereum Classic is 5, Dogecoin is 0 0.0019, and with 33,900 transactions in the last 24 hours, Dogecoin is walking all over Litecoin as well as Ethereum Classic. Now let's see what my node has to say about the hash rate. Come on, spin it up, boy. Spin it up. 114 exahashes per second. And we have, a we've got meh in the mempool. It's the meh pool, guys. Meh. It's nine and a half megabytes representing about 6,000 unconfirmed transactions. And as far as I can tell, in the last 10 blocks, all of the blocks are full. Now for lightning, let's see. what. Holy shit. Total capacity in Lightning is 925 BTC. So somebody just dumped basically about 20 BTC in the last 48 hours from the last time I checked. Um, that gives us a capacity, a liquidity capacity of $6.12 million US. 
The number of channels is 36,168. Tour capacity has dropped to 40%, representing 369.97 BTC. And the amount of tour nodes looks like it's actually increased a little bit, 1,911. And now all that was brought to you by bitcoin.clarkmoody.com. Uh, I'm still having lots of problems with 1ML, so for the, until they get their little red wagon fixed up, Clark Moody's is it, pal. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. This is uh, Morning Roundup Part 2, South Korea's biggest Bitcoin exchanges see massive loss of revenue. <laughs> South Korea's two largest exchanges, Upbit and BitThumb, have seen their sales drop by 70% and 30% respectively. Since 2008, uh, or oh, sorry, 2018, as the local market's demand for cryptocurrencies has plummeted in the last 24 months, it stopped trading my god what what could possibly go wrong three minute oh i'm sorry march the 23rd 2020 joseph young writing for decrypt.co upbit and bit thumb south korea's two largest crypto exchanges by daily trade volume saw their sales drop year over year the annual profits of dumanmu wait a minute dunamu sorry yeah dunamu upbit's parent company dropped by 93 percent to 7.4 million dollars according to the financial supervisory services electronic notice system. This substantial decline in revenues of both companies is mainly attributed to the noticeable decrease in demand for cryptocurrencies in the local crypto market over the last 24 months. That's because 95, 99.99% of cryptocurrency is garbage and you should not touch it with a burning stick. During the peak months of 2017 and 2018, BitThumb processed around 1.2 million BTC worth of trades per month, equivalent to about $7.2 billion dollars. However, during the peak months of 2019 and 2020, in terms of price and volatility, BitThumb processed around 300,000 BTC worth of trades. That indicates a 75% drop in monthly Bitcoin trade volume between 2017 and 2018. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop right there. They're talking about BTC as in when they say 300,000 BTC worth of trades. Not that 300,000 BTC was trade dead. There's a difference. The entire, oh, the entire timbre of this particular piece is talking about BTC in terms of shit coins being traded. What's their total value? Well, let's not do it in dollars. We'll compare it against BTC. And the amount of shit coins traded, their total value has been like, you know, 300,000 BTC worth. Okay. It's not. It, when they say the sentence, this indicates a 75% drop in monthly Bitcoin trade volume. Nah, that would be a different timbre altogether than how we started out this article. So already there's a little bit of confusion here. So just keep that in mind. In my opinion, it has nothing to do with BTC as much as it does with shit coins trading against each other. And well, nobody needs them. Similarly, Upbit saw its monthly Bitcoin trade volume drop from 1.35 million BTC in 2017 to around 250,000 BTC in 2020. Throughout the past two years, Upbit recorded an average monthly volume of 200,000 BTC. 
as the price of Bitcoin struggled to move towards its record high of 20,000 since late 2017. The volume of all major cryptocurrency exchanges in the country, including Corbit, CoinOne, and GoPax, dropped by 60 to 80%. The sharp drop in revenue among top crypto exchanges in South Korea come after two years of stagnant growth in local markets and high-profile legal cases faced by UpBit and BitThumb. As Decrypt reported in December 2019, BitThumb was slapped with a $67 million tax bill from the National Tax Service for facilitating trades for foreign users. UpBit was charged with faking trade volume, which it has vehemently denied. The two exchanges also faced hacking attacks, with UpBit experiencing a $50 million hack just four months ago. The approval of the special financial information law by the National Assembly of South Korea has been seen as legitimizing the local crypto exchange market. Whether the bill is sufficient to revive South Korea's appetite for cryptocurrencies in the short to medium term remains uncertain. Prior to the passing of the legislation, local investors were able to trade cryptocurrencies with no major roadblocks as the country's top exchange secured contracts with leading financial institutions. So, Shit coinery getting its ass handed to it. And honestly, just there's decentralized exchanges out there if you really want if you really want to play this game. So just look into that. But honestly, uh, it just makes me kind of sad when I see people exchanging shit coins because it's just trading bags, you know, from, from one bag to another without any real utility. I just saying, right? Now, Mt. Gox is back in the news. Uh, Marie Juliet is writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning that Mt. Gox creditors to meet tomorrow as reimbursement process inches forward. Jeez, will the people that got hosed actually get their money back? Let's find out because it's not like this shit hasn't been happening since 2014. In the latest sign of a step forward in a lengthy compensation process, the infamous hacked Bitcoin exchange Mt. Gox appears to be hosting a new meeting for its creditors tomorrow, March the 25th. In an official announcement posted on the now defunct exchange's website on March the 24th, Mt. Gox's rehabilitation trustee notified creditors of a new portal through which they will be able to access all documents to be distributed at tomorrow's meeting. As previously reported, as many as 24,000 creditors are thought to have been affected by the Bitcoin exchange Mt. Gox's 2011 hack and later collapse in early 2014, which resulted in a loss of 850,000 BTC, valued at roughly $460 million at that time. Reimbursement of the exchange's creditors is being handled under the stewardship of Tokyo attorney Nabaku Kobayashi, who was appointed by a Japanese court to act as the civil rehabilitation trustee to manage Mt. Gox's bankruptcy estate. Today's announcement is scant on details as to what will be discussed tomorrow, which will be the fourth creditors meeting so far in a civil rehabilitation proceeding of the formal former exchange. The lengthy reimbursement process, six years now after the exchange's collapse, has galvanized creditors and other community members to self-organize in an attempt <clears throat> to quicken matters, their legal coordinated legal action succeeded in securing Mt. Gox's transition from bankruptcy proceedings to civil rehabilitation back in June of 2018. Civil rehabilitation ensures that creditors are reimbursed in crypto rather than in fiat currency equivalent to the value of their Bitcoin holdings at the time of the exchange's collapse. The long winded, well, sorry, the long winded process has spurred some invested investors to repeatedly 
attempt to buy up creditors' claims, as, for example, private equity and hedge fund managers. Fortress Investment Group, which increased its offer last month to 88% of the estimated lost value. Michael Hurrigan, a managing director at Fortress, said this February that the buyout offer was calculated according to the likely timeline, three to five years, and financial risk of ongoing litigation. Law firm is, uh, there's no way, it's a Russian name. And Partners has recently claimed that it could recover up to 200000 of the Bitcoin lost in the exchange hack by taking legal action against Russian nationals who allegedly hold the stolen money. In parallel, Mt. Gox's former CEO, Mark Carpellis, remains mired in a legal battle over the nature of his role and culpability in the exchange's fiasco. Jeez, man. Uh, so this, that's what happens with exchanges like uh, Quadriga CX. They're just zombies. I mean, once, 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 oh God, how to say this? It's, it's like a zombie activation that once the exchange gets hacked for this much and much, and then they close their doors, the legal system steps in and it's like life support. It keeps these stupid things alive when they really should just die. And I, I hate to, you know, say that because I don't want anybody to lose all their money that was in Mount Gox, but. This is just, it just offers false hope after false hope after false hope. And I think something bad is going to happen. And you guys that are out there that are the creditors of Mount Gox, I think you're just going to get hosed. I, I mean, not, you've been hosed, you got hosed, you continue to be hosed. I don't see your being hosed ending anytime soon, but whatever. It's just zombies, zombie money printer go burr. Bitcoin price eyeing $7,000 after Fed said it has infinite cash. This is another piece of the puzzle of the fact that the Fed is buying everything. This is William Suberg writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Let's see what Bill has to say about this. Bitcoin and gold show clear signs of strength on March the 24th as the United States Federal Reserve revealed the true extent of its money printing. Having cleared $6,000 on Monday... Bitcoin went on to hold ground at 6,500. At the same time, gold rallied as market and an analyst suggested its recent sell-off was over, probably to cover all the margin calls. For gold, the rebound echoed behavior during the financial crisis of 2008. Goldman Sachs highlighted, quoted by Bloomberg, then as now, the Fed removing barriers to dollar liquidity ultimately sent the precious metal surging higher. As various sources reported, the Fed will now embark on a giant buyback exercise, which will be worth $125 billion every day, or a massive $2.5 trillion per month. Aimed at shoring up the United States economy, the scheme is akin to flooding the market with new dollars in what has become the biggest money printing experiment in the United States history, which would ultimately make it in world history, guys. I don't think anybody has printed more money than the United States. It, well, okay, Zimbabwe. What, what are you going to do? But whatever. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin has also described the liquidity on offer to businesses and banks as almost unlimited. In an interview with CBS on Sunday, Neil Kashirki, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, went further still saying, quote, there's an infinite amount of cash in the Federal Reserve. We will do whatever we need to do to make sure there's enough cash in the banking system. There's an infinite amount of cash in the Federal Reserve. 
print that on a great on on in really big font on a on a like nine and a half by eleven sheet of paper and take it down to Office Depot or or Hobby Lobby and get that thing framed. Hang it on your wall with the date that that was said. There is an infinite amount of cash in the Federal Reserve. Pausing for effect. This, in turn, has emboldened gold bugs and Bitcoiners alike who argue that fiat is rapidly unraveling as a trustworthy financial instrument. In a tweet following the news, Plan B, the creator of Bitcoin's stock-to-flow price model, described the Fed's actions as the central bank going full Zimbabwe. Its timing, he noted, was pertinent just 50 days before Bitcoin supplies due to drop to new lows of 6.25 BTC per block. Stock to flow calls for an average Bitcoin price of around $100,000 between 2021 and 2024. Plan B has demonstrated that the model remains intact despite BTC dipping below $4,000 last week. And I don't know what I don't know what I think about the stock to flow model. It's it's held so far. I don't know what it will do in the future. That's Plan B's business, so we'll let him worry about all that. Bitfinex says Shimmer tool will limit trading abuse. And here we go, people. Off to the races. Okay. Crypto exchange Bitfinex has released a new product called Shimmer, which it says will spot suspicious market activity and ensure safe trades for all. Nicholas Manirov is writing for Decrypt.co sometime this morning. Cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex said it's looking into lim- looking to limit malicious activity in the crypto space with the help of Shimmer. <coughs> In a press release, Bitfinex announced its latest product will work to combat market abuse and promote orderly trading in the crypto industry. Shimmer is built to find and investigate manipulative practices and suspicious trades that occur through Bitfinex to keep both customer funds and data safu, thereby establishing market legitimacy. According to Bitfinex, were Shimmer to find anything out of the ordinary, it would forward details of the alleged manipulation to Bitfinex's surveillance team. Specialists receive email summaries and are notified of any suspicious trading patterns across all pairs offered on the exchange, allowing them to take the next steps. Quote, different actions will be applied depending on the severity of the situation. The purpose of this new tool is to ensure fair and safe markets for everyone, so we will always act in the best interest of the Bitfinex community, explained Bitfinex CTO Paolo Arduino in a statement to Decrypt. Among the largest manipulative tactics Shimmer could block is wash trading, in which users purchase and sell assets for the purpose of misleading the market, and layering, where buy orders are used to confuse traders about how much supply and demand exists for a specific shitcoin. Sorry, token. There's concern, however, that Shimmer could be a mirage, given Bitfinex's ties to controversial payment processing firm Crypto Capital, Bitfinex reportedly lost close to a billion dollars in funds over a year ago. The money was held by Crypto Capital, which claims the funds were seized by Polish, American, and Portuguese officials, according to an April 2019 lawsuit filed in the New York Attorney General General's Office. Ifinex, the company that owns both Bitfinex and the stablecoin Tether, illegally used Tether reserves to replace as much as $850 million of the funds that belong to Bitfinex users. According to the lawsuit, Ifinex also claimed the funds in question had been seized and safeguarded and that the company was doing all it could to get the money released. The attorney general remains unconvinced. 
Meanwhile, the company says it paid off another $100 million of the loan from Tether in February. All right, so this, I mean, if you're a trader, you, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't trade, so I don't care. But if you are a trader and you do care, um, you know, be aware that they, it always starts with the best of intentions, right? Oh, we just, I mean, because wash trading is, wash trading is bad. I don't deny that. It's, it's, it's a terrible practice. I don't know anything about layering, but it seems bad. Probably should be limited, but what do you give up? I mean, if, if, at what point do they say, well, you know, it was just going to be wash trading and layering, but you know, now I don't know, man, the, the, the way that you've, the way that your orders are structured here, I don't know. I think we might have to take a look at that and hold your account and suspend all your trade. You, you, it's coming. I guarantee if they're going to start here. That's going to be the end of the show. So just, I'm just saying, man, if you can get out of trading and make your money in any other way, do so because I don't know about the longevity of, of shit coin trading. I, I just don't. Um, oh God, <clears throat> Russia. <laughs> it's Russia, bro. The rubles drop eases pain of lower Bitcoin prices for Russia's miners. This is Anna Betakova writing March the 23rd for Coindesk. Uh, the global market meltdown has indirectly benefited Russia's Bitcoin miners, even as the cryptocurrency's price tumbled along with other assets. That's because the Russian national currency has rapidly lost value, dropping from 60 rubles to the dollar to 80 rubles in two weeks. In addition to the coronavirus pandemic weighing on all markets, the ruble has also taken a hit from the price war started by Saudi Arabia, which slashed the price of oil, Russia's main import, to its lowest level in three years. With the ruble plunging, the average price in Russia for electricity, one of the biggest costs for miners, also dropped. In Siberia, Russia's main region for mining, the average price for power available to local mining farms fell from $0.05 cents per megawatt per hour to 4 At the same time, the price of Bitcoin, while plunging itself, still is calculated in U.S. dollars, which makes a bear market a little bit less painful for mining farms in Russia. Several such outfits told Coindesk. In other words, the Bitcoin trading around $6,200 on Monday if you sold Bitcoin for rubles, the price would be 6,200 times 80 rubles, not 60 rubles as it would have been two weeks ago. Thus, the hit to revenue is mitigated for miners that run their specialized computers from these farms. Quote, as the cryptocurrency price is bound to the United States dollar, the rubles fall is beneficial for miners, said Alexander Shashkov, the founder of Intellion Mining, Igor Runitz, CEO of BitRiver Mining Facility in Bat but uh, sorry, Bratsk, Russia, said he signed two new contracts with miners last week for a total of 24 megawatts per hour of electricity. All expenses at the farm are in rubles, run it says, so with the ruble falling down, Russia is strengthening its position on the mining market. Be careful, it's the Russians. He's also planning to leverage forward spread contracts for buying dollars at the agreed price in future to hedge against the ruble possibly going up later, BitRiver is now in talks with one of Russia's banks about buying such contracts. Run it said, quote, dollar exchange rate does not affect the price of electricity. Salaries and other costs don't rise that fast either, uh, said Fakar Fedorov, the business development manager at Crypto Reactor, another mining farm in Bratsk. However, his farm hasn't seen an inflow of new clients from abroad just yet. Quote, we do have requests from the foreign miners 
but no more than usual due to the Bitcoin price crash and the hysteria around coronavirus. In such a situation, may prefer to sit on the cash, Fedorov added. Mining in Russia is mostly concentrated in Siberia, where low temperatures most of the year provide natural cooling and the electricity is cheaper than in other parts of the country due to an abundance of hydro power plants. That's going to do it for that. That's an interesting situation in so far that forex trading of like for you know foreign uh, ex- currency exchange is going to probably has been but I think it's really well il- illustrated just how well it comes into play in situations like this. Anyway, that's going to do it for the snooze you can use. Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by a good friend of mine at Mr. Pseu. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. It's Mr. P-S-E-U or M-R-P-S-E-U. Uh, he sent me this LinkedIn.com uh, post that this dude, oh, who is this cat? Stephen Hahn made apparently yesterday. And so it just, it's the link, you know, to this, what I can only assume is a scam. And then here's the hashtags, Bitcoin Cash, free BCH, BCH, free Bitcoin Cash. About this game, claim your first Bitcoin Cash. Send BCH directly to your wallet. The new and best way to claim your free Bitcoin Cash from the creators of the longest running and best free Bitcoin mobile apps. The game is really easy to play with rewards every hour and additional bonuses every week. Send BCH directly on the blockchain to your Bitcoin Cash wallet. Yeah, dude, if you're going to burn yourself down by clicking on anything in this, just don't. Okay, this is a scam. I don't even have to go to the site to know it's a scam. It is a, essentially, it's a play.google.com thing, but I'm not even going to go to it. Uh, If you see Stephen Hahn or somebody talking about a Bitcoin Cash game that's on uh, play.google, you know, it's best to just, Honestly, it's just best to stay away from it. But anyway, that's going to do it for your smoldering pile right there, man. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you as usual by Dad Says Jokes. Son, why is my sister's name Paris? Dad, because we conceived her in Paris. Son, thanks, Dad. Dad, no problem, quarantine. Yeah. Is it too soon to make jokes? Some people think it's too soon to make jokes. You know what I think? (laughs) Do whatever the hell you want. It's a free country, man. Uh, As long as you're staying alive uh, and feeding yourself, you know, you do whatever the hell you want. And for all the people that are just are just so triggered. Calm down. Stay inside and don't, you know, don't waste your energy bitching at somebody else because you're all pissed off. It's it's not a good, it's not a credible, worthy, 
or, you know, meaningful use of that, you know, energy from your neurons. All right. Just calm down, man. Have a drink, sit, kick back, watch some TV or, or something, build a business, whatever. Just, I mean, honestly, the, the amount of triggering that's going on right now is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I've heard like different stories as to why people are, is it really fear? You know, there's a, as the reason is people are like triggered. I don't think so. I think it's boredom. I think, honestly, I think it's, a, well, clearly it's a mixture of all this stuff, but I think you throw a little bit of cabin fever and boredom into the mix. I think you start dealing with a much larger, a much, much larger issue. Okay. Um, and that's what I think we're seeing. Like, dude, I saw a Twitter. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to say who it was, but two well-known individuals in Bitcoin were going after each other. And I shit you not, it reminded me of watching a bar fight. It was, is pretty bad. I, I mean, some, like some pretty insidious name calling from people that I usually see as fairly level-headed individuals. Uh, with good heads on their shoulders, and all of a sudden it was like they were throwing beer bottles at each other. I, it was just, it was amazing to see. So, <clears throat> you guys be careful out there. Um, you know, you're no matter what you do, you're probably going to trigger somebody. So, you know, don't don't take it too seriously. They're just their triggering will end at one point or another. So, anyway. Um, Let's see, is there anything else? Oh, chickens are big, bro. Chickens have probably quadrupled, if not quintupled in size. Um, they're starting to accelerate. And I've and here here's the thing that I, I can't tell is how much food they're actually ingesting versus how much food I give them. And the problem with this is that you don't put chickens like just in like in their brooder. You don't put them on something that's just like, you know, straight up wood or plastic. You you need to put like shavings down because it's, it becomes, it, it becomes a hygiene issue. If you don't, you really need that, that those pine shavings or wood shavings or whatever, hay, it gets straw, you know, something like that. You need that there, uh, because you need it to kind of soak up the liquidy parts of their stool because they have a tendency to poop and pee at the same time. And you really want that, the extra excess liquid to be soaked up in the pine shavings uh, and also to make it a little bit easier clean out. Well, the problem with pine shavings or whatever is that you can't, like when they start feeding out of their food thing, chickens are notoriously messy about their stuff. So you can't see how much food is in the pine shavings. It's almost impossible because their food is exactly the same color as like golden, you know, pine shavings or, 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 you know, I guess if I was using fairly green looking hay, it'd be a little easier to tell. But I mean, honestly, dude, we, we fed them. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say like a good half pound of food, like the day before yesterday. And it was all gone by that night or, or, by yesterday morning. So we fed them again. Well, later on that day, yesterday, you know, we fed them in the morning yesterday. And then later on that day, my daughter comes up to me and she says, I had to, ref I had to feed them again. Like they went through all that. So my problem is, is that I cannot tell the efficiency at which they're actually getting the food because when I dump, you know, the pine shavings to re 
to redo their pine shavings and get it all clean, everything goes into the compost bin. And I can't tell the difference between the food, uh, how much food is in there and how much pine shavings is in there. So keep, you know, be aware if you're going to do this of your own, um, be aware that it's almost impossible to tell exactly how much that they're getting other than the fact that, you know, my chickens are gaining some serious weight. That's all I really am concerned about. Are they gaining weight? Are they walking around? Are, do they look sturdy? You know, do, are they pecking each other? Are they, do they look like they're under any kind of stress? And by the way, after about three or four weeks, they cease to be the cute little chick that they were and end up in this really ugly ass, molt, half molted looking thing where their feathers are coming in. And these poor sons of bitches look like hell. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're healthy, but by God, I haven't seen anything that ugly since I dragged something off of the uh, bottom of a lake when I was fishing. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for the chicken report. And I think that that's all that there is for today. So I'll see you guys on the other side again. My apologies for not getting to you yesterday. I was in the middle of building office furniture. I guess I should say something about office furniture or, or the, the, the pre-built furniture with a cam and pin lock. If you know what I'm talking about, it used to suck. However, what I put together yesterday is really strong, is really sturdy. And for that kind of strength and that kind of sturdiness before the whole cam and lock thing came in, uh, the amount, the weight that that furniture would represent would be about three times. It would like the same desk would be the same size, but weigh about three times as much. So I no longer, I used to, I used to not like that the whole construction because uh, it was always seemed like so cheap. But this one and some of the other ones that I put together as of late, uh, they're getting really good at it. I mean, they're getting, honestly, they're getting so good at it that I was, I was fairly impressed. So if you are in the market for some desk furniture or whatever, um, we got ours at Office Depot. We bought it online and then I went to go pick it up to mitigate the amount of time on target that I would have. And when I pulled up, the first thing that I saw was a sign, a huge sign on the door that said, we have no hand sanitizer. So it is what it is. And then with that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.